Good morning, everybody. Today in the interview with, with experts series, we have none other than Patrick Ward joining us. Patrick is a very interesting young man. He's the editor in chief at High Speed Experts. He's also recently become a member of the Forbes Featured Writers, and he's the Words with Ward creator and the, one of the founding members of LinkedIn Local. So welcome to the call this morning, Patrick. Thanks for having me, Derek. Really excited to chat with you. Fantastic. Now, Patrick, can you tell me a little bit about your, your background? And um, obviously, that's an Australian accent, so you've, you've hailed from over here and then you've gone and uh, relocated to Los Angeles, California. So whereabouts in Australia are you originally from and how did you wind up living and working in SoCal, USA? Yeah, so like many of your viewers and listeners will know, uh, this is an Australian accent. I luckily have not lost it. Uh, like many Australians who go overseas, I'm from one of the big two, Sydney or Melbourne, and in my case, it was Sydney. Uh, so born and raised there, had uh, my whole life, all the family still there in various parts of, of Sydney, um, went to school there, uh, even did my university degree at the University of Sydney uh, and got close to the end of that degree in 2015 and decided, you know, I, I wanted something a little bit extra. So I'd, I'd studied twice before in um, the United States, once at George Washington, which is in DC, and once at UCLA, which is in LA. And I decided I finished my degree. I still had a job at the time with an advertising agency. And, you know, if you'd, if you'd spoken to anyone around me, they would have said, oh, well, Patrick's set. You know, he's got his friends, he's got his family, he's already got a job. So he's just going to coast through and do that. Uh, I'm someone who doesn't like stagnation. So I said, mm, let's try something different. So I went to Los Angeles because that was where not only had I studied at LA, uh, UCLA, but I'd also done a, an advertising internship uh, at MNC Saatchi. And I decided, well, let's give it a crack. So picked everything up went at the start of 2016 and just tried to make it work. Uh, and for a while there, it was you know, a bit tough going. People were saying, well, why didn't you just come back to Australia? And I thought, no, I'm, I'm gonna make this work. So started working in a finance company, then went to an app developer. Um, and now, as you mentioned, my current role as editor-in-chief of High Speed Experts. And if you'd asked me at the start, like, was it the right decision? I mean, there, there were some doubts. There were some doubts of what, you know, was I being uh, a bit flippant? Was I being reckless? But I trusted myself and, and sure enough, I mean, as you mentioned before, now being a Forbes featured writer, I think if I had never left Australia, I, I would never have achieved something to, to that level. Um, and, and I really have a lot to thank America for and, and still thank America for. Fantastic. So now it's definitely the right decision. A hundred percent. I'll give you a quick story, a funny thing. So I went back to Australia in April um, and it was the first time I'd been back since moving here permanently. Uh, and that when I was booking the flights to go back to Australia, it, something shifted in my mind. I felt like it was a trip abroad, not a trip home. And that, while I still very much identify as an Australian, I know like a lot of traits in my personality are very much infused from that 
Australian culture as opposed to an American mindset. Nevertheless, America is 100% my home now. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm delighted to hear that it's working out for you. And um, can you tell us a little bit about High Speed Experts? Yeah, so High Speed Experts is a consumer comparison site for internet services. Uh, and the funny thing about this is, again, if you'd asked me before, would I ever get into telecommunications? I would have probably said no. But the funny thing is, is it represents something quite, quite interesting for me. So I started as a writer and what High Speed Experts affords me the opportunity to do is return to editorial style content rather than in my previous role as an app developer, it was very much about lead generation. Now I get to focus back on the writing, which is what I enjoy. And that I think serves as an important lesson for, for any budding marketer or indeed anyone going into any sort of career. It's not necessarily about the industry in which you operate, but it is what are the traits of a job that you like Right. So I like writing. I like communicating with others. I like being quite, you know, I'm quite an extrovert. So that is another important aspect. So find a job that serves those aspects of your personality rather than picking a job based on, I want to work in this industry. Uh, I've certainly seen that in LA. You know, I did a little bit in entertainment and uh, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I can see like everyone comes to LA, everyone wants to work in some aspect of entertainment without thinking, well, what am I really searching for with my job? Or am I just looking for the glitz and the glamour of this industry or this title or this award? Okay. So obviously, you're, as you just said, you're a writer. Let me ask you a little bit about that because um, I've written courses, I've written business development manuals, that kind of thing. And through my experience as a writer, um, sometimes I've had to wait for the, the creative part of my brain to basically switch on. Um, and it usually, I just discovered in the last year or so, it usually doesn't happen until about after two or three in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's one of those things. Can you tell me about the, the side of your work based on the writing? Is, is this something that you're able to do all day or do you have to wait for the creative juices to start to flow or is this something that comes naturally to you? Yeah, the, there's a couple of different ways to add to that. So certainly writing comes naturally to me. So if you ask me to, you know, put something on paper now, you know, regardless of the time of day, uh, I'll be able to do it. Uh, nevertheless, there is certainly times I know um, in and of myself when it's a little more effortless than others. And that uh, I've actually found isn't so much necessarily for me a time as opposed to a mental state. So one of the biggest tricks that I use on myself, uh, so backtracking a little, uh, when I used to work for the advertising agency back in Sydney, uh, a while of that I was doing remote copywriting. Mm -hmm. And as anyone who's done uh, remote work knows, it's very challenging to remain disciplined. So one trick that I always used was never doing that work in my house because there's always like TV, fridge, you know, even just falling asleep in bed. There's all these different distractions. So what I would do 
is go to a coffee shop, sit down and start to write. And when you do that, you train your brain to know, okay, every time you sit down at a coffee shop, that's what you do, right? It's like training your brain that this is the location in which I do work. And I noticed this last weekend, I had an article that I needed to write and I'd kind of been putting it off for a while. And when I sat down, it literally took me no more than 40 minutes to write a thousand word article because I was just putting myself in that zone in which to operate at my best. So yes, like I could still probably in other environments have, have pushed that article out in maybe two or three hours, but I think it is important for you to, to find, find the environments in which you perform your best work, whether that's writing, yeah. whether that's shooting video, whether that's um, even interviewing with people, you know, finding an environment that makes you perform at your best will inevitably mean you rise to the occasion when you have to. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I completely agree with that. And I think the other thing too is, is just to basically just get started. I mean, a lot of people, that seems to be one of their biggest hurdles is just putting that one step forwards, just getting started. Um, let me ask you with regards to articles, um, you've just mentioned that you basically started and completely wrote an article in 40 minutes. Do you have a particular uh, structure or layout to an article that you would go by or that you would apply? Um, obviously, it might be fairly cliche, but listicles, so like five ways to do something, uh, still very popular and still uh, get a lot of traction. Uh, there's something about it that just triggers our primitive brain. Yep. And then from a writing perspective, they're great because what you can do is you can scaffold so the way i do it is i scaffold out like so let's say it's five reasons scaffold out the five reasons then go back to each reason write out the full sort of 50 to 100 words for each of them and then finish with the conclusion and then bounce back to the intro your intro should always be the last thing you write because it's so hard to start with an intro because you're like well, where am I going? But if you write the body paragraphs, then conclude, you already know where you're going. So your intro will write itself. That's another little hack that I like to use that, you know, people think you have to write from start to finish. And it's like, no, start in the middle, go to the end, then come back. Interesting. Fantastic. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that because I have written some stuff in the past where um, I've had challenges writing the intro and I'm sure many of our viewers or readers um, and the audience out there will, will have also experienced the same. Um, but then once I've got into the actual body content of the piece that I was writing, that, that started to come much easier. But the intro was the challenge. So thank you for sharing those insights with us. Okay. Um, now, the, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is um, you have a very interesting concept with words with ward. Uh, what was the inspiration behind Words with Ward? Obviously, Ward is, a, is uh, your surname. So what inspired you to put this together? Well, the name itself, as you say, is uh, a pure alliteration play. And like every marketer will tell you, if you could get alliteration into anything, it's just got that catchy feel to it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, being starting as a writer, uh, I'd always had an interest with words. And when I was deciding my content for LinkedIn, 
I knew I needed to find something that I could come up with sort of 10 to 20 ideas like that uh, without even, you know, really thinking. Just, you know, it was instant for me because I'd seen so many other people, you know, they get started and, you know, like you said, that's the hardest part, getting started. And then even if they get started, they go for two to three weeks, they run out of ideas and then they stop and then they lose all that momentum. So by having something like Words with Ward, I knew that, great, if I have this sort of ecosystem of which my content is related to both writing and I could take it a few, it was broad enough that I could take it in a few different ways, but it was also niche enough that I knew it was something that I could be become known for. And that was actually the funny thing. I went to an, a networking event in San Francisco about, oh, what was it, about two, two months ago. And I went, shook someone's hand, and uh, the first thing they said was, words with Ward. And they knew that about me more than, like, anything else. And that really is the power of branding and why I tell people, if you're creating content on LinkedIn, that's awesome, but please, please, please create your own hashtag because too many people I see use other hashtags and look, they're great for getting reach, but you want to be known as something. So use that hashtag as a sort of collection, if you will, of all your content. And then people, again, on LinkedIn, people can follow that hashtag. So, you know, I've noticed like now I'm probably up to about 50 something followers of that hashtag. You know, it's still a little amount, but it, it just creates that community of people who are interested in what you're putting out. Absolutely. Um, just recently for everybody, I did a series uh, of LinkedIn tips called 30 tips in 30 days. And I registered that as a hashtag. And one of those tips was actually how to set up your own hashtags. So here's, here's a, a, a short plug. If you want to set up your own hashtags, go to twubs.com. That's T-W-U-B-S.com. And you can set up your own hashtag. I think they charge about $12 or some exorbitant fee like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's where you register your own hashtags. Um, okay, well, that, that's, very, that's very interesting. And, um, okay, so congratulations for recently becoming a Forbes featured writer. Um, can you tell us how that actually came about? Yeah, funnily enough, it came about from LinkedIn. So uh, I was obviously being active on LinkedIn at the same time as I was uh, head of marketing for the app developer that I was working for previously. And the funny thing was just purely through that activity, I had the head of memberships for the Forbes councils reach out to me and said, you'd be a great fit for this council. Like I've seen your work on LinkedIn. I've also seen your work off LinkedIn, but really as a vehicle through LinkedIn uh, to see what you've been doing in the industry. Would love to invite you to apply. I applied, but honestly, because he'd invited me, it was practically a formality. Um, And then I was accepted. So I was accepted into the Forbes Communications Council. They have about nine different councils for different industries Mm -hmm. Uh, so the communications council is for senior advertising and communications executives Um, and then once I was accepted into that that basically put me directly in touch with Forbes editors that were putting together pieces so not only am I able to submit a full scale 500 to a thousand 
word pieces for publication, I'm also able to contribute to articles as an expert myself, um, which is a little shorter. Usually that's about 400 characters they, they request for, I guess you would call an expert quote. Yeah. And through that, uh, I think it's been about a dozen times or maybe even a bit more now that I've been featured in Forbes. Um, and again, it, it, it's just, it's, it's incredible that that clout that that brings and once again it's one of my while it's one of my personal biggest successes it's one of the biggest things that i point to for people when i'm telling them why they should be getting involved with linkedin because this is the type of caliber of people that are on linkedin that can potentially see your stuff and a, a very important note that i make here is a lot of people even when they get started get worried that oh my my content only gets like four likes or 10 likes or whatever, just like not much uh, engagement and not many active, not much activity. The funny thing is that uh, uh, Leonard was his name, uh, head of memberships. He'd never liked a single post of mine. He'd never commented on a single post of mine. He just went into my direct messages and sent me a message there. And this is the number one thing I say. Don't underestimate who's watching. There's a lot of people who just lurk on social media and they are watching and they may be so compelled by what you're sharing to message you. So don't worry about the vanity metrics of, like I always say myself, like who cares about the likes? Who cares about the comments? It's nice, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is someone who is so compelled by what you're sharing. They go into your messages and message you directly. Like so obviously they had a, a look over your previous content, uh, but they hadn't liked anything, they hadn't commented on anything, they hadn't shared anything, they're just sort of lurking in the background, getting an idea for who Patrick Ward is, what he's all about, the type of content that he, that he writes and that he puts out there, and then they just contacted you out of the blue. Yeah, exactly that. And, and, and this, this, happens, this happens more often than not. In fact, every... If I'm looking at the things that have made the most massive impact, like I won very early on starting LinkedIn for that app developer, I won a referral partnership agreement that was worth about, uh, what was it, just shy of six figures, so about $90,000. And that was, again, someone who was a lurker, who didn't, who didn't like, who didn't comment, just sent a message saying, Hey, I saw that post of yours. Yeah. And it's kind of weird when that happens because you, you go back to your post and you're like, hold on, you didn't say anything on it. <laughs> but, but, but for whatever reason, that, that's very common. Maybe that person doesn't want to put themselves in the public uh, space and that's fine. I understand. Not everyone is comfortable doing that. But if you are comfortable doing that, you can get a lot of opportunities out of it. It's interesting how you describe that because uh, um, I have a course coming out for LinkedIn in the next uh, several weeks and one of the modules in that course is all about establishing, building and nurturing the relationship with people. And um, what literally happens in, in my experience is you do get people who, as you say, will just lurk in the background and occasionally they might like or comment on, the, on a post. But what I did notice was when they make contact um, because you've, you've built up this um, positioning 
within their minds about you and your services and what you actually offer, um, what I found is that their mind is actually about 90% made up that they will go ahead with you, provided your price range is sort of within their area of expectations. And um, that's quite a, a, an interesting position to come from when somebody first contacts you to already be in, in that kind of scenario. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. I love that you say that because that's really the key with, with LinkedIn, right? You're driving inbound leads rather yeah. than outbound. And, and that's the thing. Sales and, and marketing to a large extent has always been about push communication, right? Whether it's been through TV, email, radio, billboard, whatever that is, that's all push mo uh, communication at a particular consumer and trying to persuade them when maybe they're not in the right mindset to be persuaded. Mm -hmm. But by, by showing up constantly on the platform and just, just being present in their feed, then you're pulling that communication towards you and you're, like you say, you're self-qualifying. Those people are making their mind up as they're evaluating, as they're looking at what you're sharing to the point that it doesn't even become a sell once they do message you. It's just, oh, well, you've seen all this stuff. You like what you see. This is the price range. Oh, okay, that's good. All right, let's move forward. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you an agreement for, for legal design type thing. Um, but I think that's, it, it, it's a scary process because I think so many people are still used to that old mindset of, oh, well, I can control the message if I push it out, right? If I push it to people. And this is kind of why, even on social media, why paid advertising still exists. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, if you can play that slightly longer game of six to 12 months as opposed to, you know, one week or one day or one hour or whatever it is, you will actually get far more value for money as a result. And I understand this not only from that aspect, but you know, obviously with high speed experts, the biggest one of my metrics that I'm measured on is SEO, right? Mm -hmm. it's content that, you know, maybe it's not going to get a click like today, but hopefully it ranks within, you know, three, three or so months is a, about an average timeline, maybe even up to six months. But that's the point. It's an investment in content today for a longer term payoff, you know, tomorrow. But that can still be very scary to a lot of people, particularly funnily enough, in, in today's era where technology reigns able to get so many things on, on demand, you know, like I can go on Amazon and buy something and it'll be shipped to my door within a day, two days. But that's the funny thing is that the most valuable stuff for our career is often the stuff that merely needs time in order to come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's very interesting. And um, so what would you suggest to people out there who want to become a writer and, and be recognized in some particular way? Are there any particular recommendations or suggestions that you would have? Yeah, I think the number one thing is, uh, well, I guess it's two aspects. You've just got to get your writing out there and published. So either create your own blog or your own website because once it's online, you control it. So then people can see your style of writing. Mm -hmm. And then you want to start getting some social proof uh, 
start reaching out to other blogs uh, and see if you can guest post. Nine times out of the 10, they'll accept because they are, everyone's in this content race. Everyone's always struggling to get enough content produced. So yeah. if you're offering a, a well-researched with a you know, short, sharp, uh, well-orchestrated pitch, they will accept. Um, and, and make sure it's targeted to what type of writer you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, I built up over many years many different industries, but each time I've gone headfirst into that industry, become an expert in it in order to have the credentials in which someone would want to publish me. And then in terms of the actual writing itself, I think I always give this one tip because I think it's very important for every writer to know. Write the way that you speak. Yes. And what I mean by that is that some people, particularly early writers, when they sit down, they sit down and they think, right, I need to write in a, in a formalized way and it needs to be very polished. And the problem with that is it just sounds wooden. It sounds too academic. And look, if you're writing an academic journal, go ahead. But I guarantee you most of the listeners to this are not going to be writing academic journals. <laughs> They're going to be writing blog posts. They're going to be writing content for their companies. They're going to be writing content for themselves. Write how you speak because that has been the single biggest feedback that I've got from people who've been compelled by my message to reach out to me. They've said, when I read your words, I can hear your voice. If someone says something to that effect to you, you're on the right track because that is what we still gravitate to. And obviously we're doing this through video, but words, even written words, can still have almost a pseudo video effect if you're writing in a way that makes people hear your voice. So, so, you know, while you shouldn't be like too flippant with your words, you know, and you still want it to be somewhat structured, do put in your vernacular into it, you know, your phrasing, the way you do it, because people will excuse the, the structure of it if they can hear the message and the passion behind it. That's, that's very good advice there. Thank you. Um, I think write how you speak and, and write how you think. Um, is, and how you think is, is just the easiest way for me, anyway, to get into some kind of flow. And, um, yeah, that, that's always worked very well. And what key takeaways would you give to people uh, if they want to start writing uh, blogs or articles or, or even articles for publications, etc.? What key takeaways would you suggest or recommend? Yeah, I think the key thing is reading within your niche to understand how technical you have to be. And I think this is a key thing to understand is that as much as it's important to find your voice, you also need to remember that your communication through your writing is only going to be successful if other people also receive that message in the right sort of way. So dive in deep to the the particular industry you want to be in, whether it's tech, if it's real estate, if it's finance, whatever it is and see what the existing publications are doing. And then from that, you'll be able to ascertain a format that will work for you. 
And also, don't be afraid to experiment. I recently wrote uh, for a, a marketing uh, academy, and I looked back at all their uh, previous blog posts, and all of them were very, very heavy on the the, the takeaways being, you know, very precise and, and and slightly wooden. And I get that they were trying to go, come at it from a data first approach, but at the same time you know, they weren't particularly interesting. It didn't really capture my attention. So when I did my guest post for them, I threw in a couple of memes, I threw a couple of funny images from the internet and all this sort of thing, just to break up the text, make it a little bit engaging as people read through. And sure enough, that is now their highest viewed post on their website. But that's a funny thing. If I purely stuck to what their previous uh, blogs had blog posts had been like I wouldn't have done that and and I think too often people are are afraid to experiment and I think it's it doesn't make sense because everything that we do in digital changes like that even I mean, you and I both know this from from LinkedIn it's like algorithms can change overnight and what worked you know articles used to work really well on LinkedIn now they don't so you, you've always got to keep somewhat of a testing mindset of seeing maybe this thing will work today, but it won't necessarily work tomorrow. So therefore, don't get too hung up on, uh, on uh, the right way to do things. I think the other beautiful thing now that you mentioned that with LinkedIn is that with LinkedIn, you can look around, you can see what's actually working for people at any given time. And that's one of the beautiful things about the platform in itself. Okay. Well, thank you, Patrick. It's been great to talk to you today and have you on the interview with experts series. You've given us some amazing insights in there to your experience as editor in chief of high speed experts words with Ward and also as a, a Forbes featured writer. That's been great. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you as part of our interview today. So thank you kindly. Thank you, Derek. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Fantastic.